0: Hello, good evening and welcome to Seascapes. On tonight's programme, a dramatic airlift of seven fishermen from a trawler last weekend and the Sligo Sailing Centres who managed to keep young people on the water right through the pandemic. On Thursday, March 25th, the Castletown Bear registered fishing vessel, the Ellie Ove, lost power while fishing on the porcupine bank. She drifted for several hours before being met by emergency services, who eventually had to abandon attempts to tow the vessel due to rough seas. Its seven crew members were eventually airlifted to safety last Saturday morning. Noel Sweeney met the vessel's skipper, members of the Castletown Bear fishing community and the owner of the LE Ov, Dinah Busher. He first spoke to John Nolan,
1: who's chairman of the local RNLI. Losing a boat is an awful tragedy like but we've had two tragedies down here where we lost all lives. That was the sea floor and the Saint Jervais, and that's real tragedies. Like it's fantastic that the seven crew members on the LE OV were able to be airlifted and great credit to the helicopter who did that in atrocious conditions in 20 minutes and that at least is you know hope. You now we feel for the owner, we feel for the community and our own loss here like in relation to revenue and jobs ashore that when we thought that the, the ship was under tow with the navy that they'd be bringing that boat ashore and I was even organising a crew that would be ready and waiting to land the boat. We knew all the electrics and the engine was off and we were planning late like, to get Another boat to lift the fish off, but unfortunately the Eliov went down. It's a tragedy, but it's a tragedy that would be a lot worse if our community was hurt with more lives. It's a boat like and life is what's important here and thank God all the lives of the Eliov and all the crew were saved.
2: Patrick Murphy is the CEO of the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation, of which the Eliov was a member. Heading up the seven crew members. One of our members, the Eliov, was um,
3: fishing in the porcupine. Um, It's an area that is famous for its nephrops outside there, so it's a very um, sought-after fishery. Um, It is very deep water, so the skill set of the the fishermen that are out there are highly skilled individuals, you know, and um, this boat has been fishing there for years, so it's well used to the area. The
2: vessel lost power, how did that happen?
3: Well, from what we know, is that there was a, a systems failure inside in the boat, that um, one of the conduits for transferring power in the engine failed. And as a result, because of this vessel being of um, a modern variety, that uh, it was dependent on having current in it to to run the systems. And when that failed, then the systems
2: failed. At what stage was the alarm raised?
3: I think the, um, the skipper raised the alarm that there was issues with the boat on, on, on Thursday evening. Um, but he used his ingenuity and his knowledge and skill set to bring the boat within 60 miles of the Irish shoreline by swapping over equipment inside the boat to make sure that she was there. But he also used um, one of our other members' boats as a guide to come in. The first on the scene was one of our member boats, Mm. and um, they took a rope and they towed the boat for a while, but um, the weather conditions worsened. And the equipment that was used, the the line that was used, wasn't um, strong enough. But uh, they still stood by the vessel until help was coming. So there was a a tugboat that was after delivering another boat from this organisation to Spain. And she was on a return trip and she was um, asked to divert and go to the aid of the vessel. But unfortunately, um, the information she got made the situation sound very serious So they um, ran into heavy weather and um, damaged the boat and she then had to return to Castledown Bear. She damaged her windows in the wheelhouse and uh, she had to come in and the the lifeboat went out to uh, actually um, escort her in to Castledown Bear. So following this, the Navy was asked
2: to um, go out and assist. Heading up the seven crew members was longtime skipper Miley Halligan, who guided the vessel to within 12 miles, off the coast of west Cork. When the power in the vessel went what did that feel like for you?
4: I know on the last tow I was hauling my gear and uh, I seen on the camera for the middle deck the lights were, were flashing and um, I kind of knew from being an experienced skipper like and a and, and long time in the sea that uh, you know the main objective at that time was to get the boat not made fast to the seabed you know get get my nets aboard and get the gear stored get the boat safe. Um, I then approached the engine room after I got the gear aboard and um, I realised that uh, we were starting to drop phases, we were starting to lose power, like my, my transformer was on its, on its way out. Um, so uh, I told the crew, look, just, just leave everything, um, make sure the boat is watertight and we'll make haste for home. I seen another fishing vessel uh, from Castletown Bear, um, very successful family in the fishing industry as well. Um, and a good friend of mine, Aaron Carr, was the skipper of her. Um, I made for Aaron Carr and I, I contacted him via radio channel. I asked him, Does he have a switch aboard that I could get off of him and fix the problem? As I was an engineer on this vessel for six years, there's not a square inch of that boat that I do not know. But uh, sadly, the outcome was that he didn't have one. Um, so we decided to make haste for Castletown.
2: What was the mood like at board at this stage?
4: The mood was okay, you know. I, I wasn't one bit concerned, you know. I, I like The weather was still re- relatively fine at this stage. And I, I, was, I was confident that I could, I could get the boat close enough before the batteries would die out and that I'd be able to get it all. You know, I, I didn't... A lot of lads probably in that situation would have sat there and didn't make a movement, but me, with my engineering background in this vessel, I knew exactly what I could do and what I could not do, and my main objective at that point was to get the boat under steam and get to as close as home as possible, given the reserve that I was from 138 to maybe 150 miles away from Castletown Bear, which is a long way for a helicopter or a lifeboat or a took, you know. So my main point at that time was, was get get as close to the shore as I can to, before I knew I'd have to seek help at some stage because battery power would, would not last the whole journey.
2: Which agency were the first on the scene that you remembered? Uh,
4: the, the, the first one that I was on the scene for me, um, as regarding after the Monica tried to tow us, um, the seas were building and um, we snapped our tow line. Um, was it must have been gusting forty to fifty knots at this stage, seas were maybe ten to fifteen meters high. It was just it wasn't seen fit to, to try and get another tow aboard the Monica as, you know, I didn't want to Darren didn't want to endanger his crew and I didn't want to endanger my crew. And I then asked Aaron would he make contact with, with, with Dina, my boss, uh, so I got her to get a tug, and it was understood. It was made understood to me that there was a tug coming, and Aaron stood by for maybe three, four hours in the Monica till the tug was on her way from Spain, and her ETA was eight hours. What was it like
2: hearing that you'd eight hours at least to wait?
4: I was. I wasn't concerned. I. I really, really wasn't concerned because Dalyav is more than capable of you know sitting in them conditions. She's. She's. Um. She's a modern trawler. She's. She's not an open stern trawler. she's just closed in, you know, she's, she was well capable. I knew my boat inside out, you know, I knew I could sit and wait. You know, we've we often done it in the Porcupine Bank. If you had a of wind for two or three days, well, you'd sit and dodge, you know, you'd just knock out and wait till the weather conditions were fine enough to shoot away again. Yeah, so, no, I, 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 I wasn't concerned, no.
2: The Illy O was named after the sister and brother of the vessel's owner, Dina Busher, who, from the shore, played a vital role in guiding the crew back to safety. She tells me what that was like.
5: I had come up here from Wexford because I was um, expecting the trawler to land in Castletown the following day. So I was just up here, you know, ready for them to come home. It was about, it was Thursday night, later that night that the skipper on the monica contacted me and said that um, the power is down on the Elyov, I'm here beside them that everything's okay, it's just if you need to contact them, you can talk to me and I'll send the messages to Miley. The next day, the following day then, I had found out that the trawler had steamed a good bit into land and that the the batteries were completely dead on her. She She wasn't able to steam anymore. The batteries had run out and I rang the Coast Guard at... 8 in the morning the minute I found out that she couldn't steam anymore so I contacted the Coast Guard and told them Um, and in the meantime I contacted Tugs in Castletown Bear and I gave the trawlers positions and um, yeah I was just waiting to see hear back from the Coast Guard to tell me to know what was next to do
2: How long was that vessel in your
5: family? Um, she came into Kilmore in 2004. We were all there waiting on the pier. For, um, she was built in Spain and Dad brought her home from Spain and brought her into Kilmore Quay. And there was a big party when she came in. <laughs> and we were just all so proud of Dad. And then my sister and my brother, because the trawler is named after them, do you know, they were so proud to have a trawler named after them. So, yeah. It's,
2: who is the vessel named after?
5: It's the Ellie of. So Ellie is my sister and Ov is Irish for Adam.
2: So what was it like being at home, knowing all this was going on at the time and, and how reassured were you, you know, with each word that you were receiving from sea?
5: At the start, the Coast Guard was, do you know, telling me not to worry that Miley had sent a message to me saying that they, were, um, that they were okay. I was, like, confident that they'd get back in, that they'd get towed back in. Um, and I, knew, I know that the boat, you know, she's been in awful weather. Like, I've been on in awful weather on her, and I can see, I know what she can handle weather-wise. They knew what she could handle weather-wise. She was a very good sea boat.
2: Is there anything you'd like to say to the people of Castleton Bear or services that were involved?
5: From the day I came here, the people in Castletown just accepted me as their own and they just put complete faith and belief in me. And um, I just, I like, I'll never forget what they've all done for me and my family. And I don't know, it's just... It's going to be so hard to say goodbye to everybody. They've, like... I really like felt like, you know, everybody up here, they were a part of my family and it's going to be so hard to say goodbye to the crew and to Miley and I just, I'm like, I know I'm not saying goodbye forever because of the work that the RNLI and the Coast Guard and Navy have done because they got them off safe, but... Uh, Yeah, I I could never thank them enough for that, for getting the boys home safe. I'm so proud of Miley and how he handled everything and how he got so close to home. Um, And the skipper on the monica, Aaron, he was just so brave to even attempt to tow our trawler.
2: And a few final words from John Nolan, Patrick Murphy and skipper... Miley Halligan.
1: As chairman of the lifeboat, I would like to thank our crew of the lifeboat, um, our Cox, Dean, Hagerty, our mechanic, Marnie don't know who, and the crew who give their time selflessly for no financial reward and launch twice over the weekend. The first time to go out to the tug that was supposed to bring in the LEAV, and the second time actually to go out to bring in the crew of the LEAV, but they were airlifted by the time they got there. These in our community and in many communities around Ireland are real heroes, people like that put their lives at risk to save other people.
3: The skipper of the vessel, like he he had to look after his crew. So he did that and he made sure that the the winch operator was able to access the boat safely. I think there's an account where he actually freed entangled ropes in the vessel. But of course, look, there was the the main outcome is is that no lives were lost here. And that's the big plus, regardless of the the loss of the vessel. It's like a loss of a family member, I'm sure, to the Busher family, but um, all credit has to be given to the boat helicopters and even the the attempts by the Navy to take ropes and bring this boat ashore, like, you know, and for that uh, winch operator to risk her own life to come down into a a vessel that was um, tossing and and rolling around the sea, you know, and for her to do it as well, the Navy would have had to put the boat in a position for her to safely access it as
4: well too, you know. So um, the main thing is that lives were saved here. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't have asked for better for everyone that was involved. They did their utmost and beyond, you know, to, to solve the problem. You know, starting starting with my own director. You know what 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 she must have been feeling ashore. Um, not knowing what her crew were facing at hand, and to keep a level head, and and contact the right people, and and go above and beyond there yeah, to get get help to us. You know, even in the conditions, to get to get that woman aboard to us, and for heli one one five tried at one stage as well, like you know, and it was gusting seventy knots, and they couldn't get aboard. It looked, it looked bleak at one stage, you know, and heli one one seven came on the scene, and she 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 got down to us, you know, and and. She was like they're just are an amazing bunch of people for what they do for for the for any man for any member of maritime man at sea what they do to risk their own lives to go out there yeah, yeah absolutely fantastic.
0: Noel Sweeney in Castleton Bear and let's hope that all those involved with the Eliov can get back fishing again very soon. At the recent Irish Sailing Awards, two of the top awards went to County Sligo, Sarah Nicholson and Dave O'Connor. Both received awards for managing to keep sailing going in the county throughout the pandemic. Joanna McNicholas went along to meet them.
6: Sligo has a vibrant sailing community, and two of its sailors achieved recognition at the recent Irish Sailing Awards. In the shelter of Sligo Yacht Club, I met the two award winners to offer congratulations and find out how they had shown leadership and innovation in their sport despite the challenges of the COVID-19 pandemic.
7: My name is Sarah Nicholson and I was very lucky this year to win Senior Instructor of the Year.
6: Last year, despite the pandemic, you were able to set up a programme teaching. Yeah, I just, I thought it was really
7: important that we got out sailing because I wasn't hearing anyone thinking of doing a course. In the west or really even in Ireland because I think we still had that lockdown from the Irish Coast Guard at that stage that I started looking and I've always kind of looked at the Junior Sailing Course for myself and my friends would say the same as kind of an escape from everyday everyday kind of life and the problems that come with it and I suppose I was aware that participants weren't going to get it this year unfortunately and a lot of us were you know stuck in kind of the mundane so yeah, I went, to, I went to the people that I thought uh, would be interested. I went to our junior organisers and a former junior organiser and they helped me a lot to be able to design the course to make sure that it was going to have all of the necessary procedures.
6: And it went off very well for you. How many members are in the club? There's a small amount of members at the moment. I think we
7: have you know roughly maybe 50, but that's always increasing. And especially I think we got a good few from last year just based on the courses and people just coming down once again, you know, sea swimming and seeing the course and seeing the club and the community around here. And that meant that, you know, they wanted to get involved as well.
6: Have you any idea why you were chosen as the Instructor of the Year?
7: I think it's, we had significant challenges this, this year, you know, presented by the pandemic and... I think I just decided to face them where other people didn't. And as well, my work with the instructors, you know, I I do recognise that I went above and beyond in some cases for my instructors because I do, you know, genuinely care about them. Those instructors were also my participants. You know, I taught them how to sail. So I felt I had to go above and beyond in order to get them through and make
6: sure that they were going to be instructors. And you've been sailing for a long time. Yeah, I've
7: been sailing, yeah, for for a long time. I actually don't remember the first time I was in a boat. I remember distinctly being in a mirror and I had to put on the rudder and the boom was hitting my head, <laughs> across my forehead. Didn't really like it at that stage. But I remember distinctly the time I did enjoy it was when I think I was in start sailing and I was only really sitting in the boat because I was so small. I was about, I think it was nine or ten at the time. And they told me, here, one, hold that, hold the tiller. And I held the tiller and I was able to keep it in a straight line. And that just fascinated me, you know, that I had complete control of something at such a young age, you know, that I was able to drive this boat anywhere. I
6: could go anywhere. You have also sailed in other clubs.
7: I have, yeah, I've been very lucky to, you know, compete in other uh, clubs nationally and then as well with teaching. I've taught in Cork, I've taught in Dublin, I've taught in, on the Hudson River in New York. So, you know, I got to, got to see a lot of different environments and how busy some places can be commercially and how that impacts your lessons.
8: Um, my name is Dave O'Connor and I'm the owner and the operator of Wild West Sailing, which won uh, Training Centre of the Year, Our Sailings Training Centre of the Year 2020.
6: That's quite an achievement.
8: Yeah, yeah, we're sort of still in shock, that from the staff, really. It wasn't anything I ever expected. I didn't even know we were in the running. I suppose being on the West Coast, you kind of figured that awards are for people from other places <laughs> nearly, you know, but it was great to get it. It's been fantastic to get the recognition. For what we all the time that everyone's put in and the effort that everybody's put in on our behalf, you know.
6: And what way was it that you adapted last year that brought the attention to you? I was able to
8: take a lot of the navigation courses online in the early pandemic, kind of lockdown there in March. And it, I was due to teach some courses, uh, some navigation courses, and uh, then when no one could go anywhere, I just said, all right, I'm going to do this on Zoom. And I kind of discovered Zoom the week before, and then we just made it happen. And I was really amazed at how well it worked. And then that snowballed and I had a couple more courses then that just happened. And whilst everyone else was probably worried that they weren't going to get anything done, I was working away, you know. And um, and at the end of the day, the income that we made at that time is what kept us going until um, we went to level three and people could travel into county again and come and do courses with us. You know, we've been doing things here, slowly building towards where we are. And, and I mean that from a kind of point of view of everybody in Salem and in Sligo. You know, it's all about development. It's not just about what you're doing today. It's about what you're doing today sets you up for next year. And uh, I'm seeing now things happening that we started doing three or four years ago. And um, we were able to keep a lot of that going during the pandemic. We run a, um, a sailing program in the off season, if you like, in, in autumn and in spring for schools, a couple of schools in Sligo, and a lot of those kids they wouldn't get a chance to go sailing ever if we didn't present them with this opportunity, you know, in a really safe way. And we were able to roll that out using Irish Sailings kind of guidelines, you know. So what we did was we reduced the numbers of people on board first, and then we staggered the start times. So that there was no contact between them. And I know Sarah did something similar with the way that she started the courses running here, you know. Like we temperature tested everybody. You know, I was in constant contact with the parents to say, OK, if anyone has any contacts or there's anything like that, we need to know about it immediately. And everybody came on board.
6: And you're teaching courses all the time now.
8: Yeah, I, I've been with Zoom. It's just opened up a whole new thing for me. Like um, since mid-January, I think I'm I've now on to my fifth navigation course online and um, from a personal point of view, instructing, it's forced me to really nail down my process of delivering a topic. It's actually made me a better instructor. It's made the business better. We're providing a service now to a wider group of people. I've had people on courses from New York getting up at five o'clock in the morning to do navigation with us. It's great that way, you know. Because we had people then who wanted who want to come from America to learn how to sail here. Don't know how to sail at all. Have have heard word of mouth or seen some of the videos that we have on YouTube of what we do, and they're coming over to Ireland now to spend three weeks here learning how to sail this area. So. It's um, it's definitely having a positive impact, you know.
6: Apart from that, you also do some lake sailing in the winter.
8: Yeah, yeah, we try and keep going as much as we can, you know. And it can be blowing a force six out here, and it might be only a force four on the lake and gusty, you know. So, um, one thing I've noticed from a number of different places that I've sailed is that it can be more of an all year round type sport, whereas here we're limited to maybe three months, four months of the season. And I think there's been a bit of a push in the last few years to try and stretch out the season in this part of the world. But the lake, I think, is a is a definite plus for us there you know it's right next to the town and it's a lovely visually lovely place to sail you know I I think that it's definitely it's a it it gives us an advantage over maybe other sailing clubs where we can sail all year you know so
6: now you and Sarah know each other from Sligo here from the Sailing Centre we do
8: we do yeah we do for a while we both uh, sailed with a man here Jerry Gilligan on, on his J24 and Jerry passed away a couple of years ago, but uh, before he passed away, myself and Sarah's mum and another uh, friend of ours uh, we all sailed with Jerry, we bought the boat off Jerry, and we've campaigned it since in at the nationals and at various the the regional competitions as well. You know, we're of course the fastest boat in Sligo, and um, <laughs> you know, I, I I'm not boasting; it's just a fact. <laughs> but. but uh, <laughs> A lot Uh, of hard work went into it. Well, that's true. We train hard, you know, and the attitude we have on the boat is about fixing problems as they arise. So we have a lot of fun sailing that boat, you know. I did a lot of sailing in New Zealand, and people talk about sailing in the pubs like they talk about soccer here. I'm trying to get it like that, you know, because it's changed my life, like, you know, it's cool.
0: Joanna McNicholas with Sarah Nicholson and Dave O'Connor in Sligo. And if you're looking for something to keep yourself occupied throughout the next few weeks of lockdown, Check out some of the short courses being offered by Sailcork and Eddie English every Tuesday. These are two hour tutorials by Zoom, complete with pictures, videos and charts on sailing around different parts of Ireland and further afield. Check out their website sailcork.com And that's it for Seascapes for this week. We're back at the same time next Friday. Everything on the programme is podcast. It's on our website, rtie slash seascapes. If you want to contact me or the programme, the email is seascapes at rte.ie. If you're lucky enough to be anywhere on or near the water over the next week, stay safe.
6: Seascapes is presented and produced by Fergal Keane.